other than that being, in my opinion, one of the most brilliant marketing campaigns ever uh, out of the mind of man. It does show us the reality of what God is doing when he says, you're a sheep and I want you to be saved. And his redemption plan really is so easy that even a sheep can be saved. In fact, it is so simple that a child can be saved. It is so simple that a scientist can be saved. It is so simple and clear that even a physicist can be saved. Now, if it's so simple, why do so many people struggle to be certain of their salvation? If God's redemption plan is so simple, why do many Christians struggle to know what, they, what to say when they're trying to help others come to faith in Jesus? If it's so simple, why do many churchgoers misunderstand what it means to be saved? And we're spending several weeks unpacking Hebrews chapter 11 so that we think about salvation biblically. I want you to think biblically about faith because Paul says to the Ephesians, by grace, through faith, you are saved. And the writer of Hebrews wants us to know for certain whether or not we've been saved. It's the most important question to answer in all of life. And here it is. If you want the answer to the question, am I saved? The writer of Hebrews says, answer that question by checking to see if you have faith. Faith present in your life is proof that God's redemption plan works. We talked about this last week. Faith is made up of two elements. Faith is made up of element number one, your correct belief about God. And element number two, your action that is based on that belief. So we believe Jesus rightly and we order our lives according to that belief. And today I just want you to see that because we're all like sheep, we're all really stupid. God has made salvation easy. Even you and I can be saved. So I want you to see three needs that God meets so that we, sheep, know for certain that we're saved. I want you to see these three needs. We need proof, we need acceptance, and we need reminding. We need proof, we need acceptance, and we need reminding. And I want to show you that God has provided all of this by faith. So, are you saved? I wish I could go to each individual in the room and ask that question to make sure we don't just pass over that question because we're in a large group and we don't have to confront God's Word unless we intentionally engage. But I want to ask you to intentionally engage God's Word this morning and every week that we're in this chapter of Hebrews and really, really understand how the writer of Hebrews is asking you to evaluate your faith. So are you saved? The writer of Hebrews asks to answer that question. Have you met God's terms for salvation? If you have met God's terms for salvation, the writer of Hebrews says faith is present in your life. And by faith, you have met God's terms for salvation. So 
you are saved. Now let's look at these three needs that God provides for us in our salvation. First, we need proof. Look with me at verse 4, Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read it a couple more times. It says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and though, uh, excuse me, through it, he being dead, still speaks. Now, the writer of Hebrews, in helping us understand faith and helping us understand what it means to meet God's terms for salvation, he uses the story of Cain and Abel. Now, it's interesting to me that when the writer of Hebrews wants uh, us to understand what faith is, wants us to be able to answer the question, am I saved? What he does is he simply tells the story of the Bible. Now, it's exactly moments like these in Scripture why we at Sladen hold telling the story of the Bible at such a high value. According to the writer of Hebrews, if you want to know if you're saved, you need to have a grasp of this big story of the Bible. And so he's just walking us through the big story of the Bible to help us understand what it means to meet God's terms for salvation. He tells the story of Cain and Abel. And you know that story well. God creates the, uh, the universe creates earth, he makes man, male and female, in his image and places man in the garden. He gives man very few instructions, but man struggles to believe that God is who he says he is, to, to believe that God is good and his word is true. And man sins against God. The Bible calls uh, their sin egregious and says that the punishment for sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, God did something amazing. He proves that He is good and that His Word is true. And He forgives them. He makes a promise to them that one day, there would be one from the seed of the woman who would come, who would crush the head of the serpent. What God was saying is there's going to be one coming, a Messiah, who will remove the results of sin forever. And so that they would understand that promise, God sets His terms for salvation when He kills animal, an animal or, or animals that He called good and takes the skins of those animals and clothes Adam and Eve with those skins. God makes the promise that one day a Messiah is coming to remove the results of sin. And with the picture of the skins of the animal, he shows Adam and Eve that the way the Messiah is going to remove sins is through the shedding of his innocent blood so that the guilty can be forgiven. And he asks Adam and Eve to cling to that promise, to cling to that picture, and we know that they did because the very next story in Scripture, the very next mentioned event in history is Abel and his brother Cain Adam and Eve's sons bringing sacrifices to the Lord. Abel brings a blood sacrifice to the Lord because he understands that God has promised a Messiah that one day an innocent one would come and he would die and shed his blood so that the guilty could be forgiven. And Abel brings a blood sacrifice to the Lord. And Scripture says God accepted his offering. Cain, a farmer, brought uh, from the fruit of his labor from the fruit of the ground to the Lord is an offering, and his offering was not accepted, and Cain was angry about it. God approached Cain because he pursues his image bearers. God loves us. 
He approached Cain and he said, Cain, why is your face downcast? Don't you know, if you do right, you will be accepted. And he calls Cain to fix his mistake, to bring a blood sacrifice to him. But Cain refused, and instead of bringing an animal that God requires, Cain killed his brother Abel in ultimate defiance of God's terms for salvation. Now, in this story, we see the greatest need of man present. Two brothers, and their greatest need is to know that they've been accepted by God. How do you know that? Well, because when Cain was not accepted, his face was downcast. Have you ever been around someone that's just bummed out? It's, it's okay for a few minutes, but I mean, if you're around someone who's bummed out for days and days and days, it's not very fun. In fact, in my house, I don't do well with people who are bummed out. If I suspect anybody's bummed out, I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm, I'm just, I'm a pest. I need to know what's wrong. Can we fix it? Greatest need of these two men is to know that God accepted them. And that's our greatest need. Now think about this, church. If God has told us what is coming in the future, that man has sinned, and because of our sin, there is a future day of judgment coming where Jesus will return and He will judge between who has submitted to Him by faith and who has rejected Him according to the wickedness of their own hearts. And those who have submitted Him by faith are going to heaven, and those who have rejected Him are going to hell. If that's the reality of where everything is going, then the greatest need you and I have is to know for certain that God has accepted our offering. Amen or oh me. Now, God has told us the bad news about our sin. Our sin has consequences, and those consequences are eternal separation from His blessings in a place called hell, and that will come to fruition on the day of judgment. But God has also told us the good news that He has chosen to save us from coming judgment. And he has explained to us because Jesus died on the cross, because he shed his innocent blood as a substitute penalty payer for the punishment of our sin, because he has done that, God will forgive us. How do we know God has forgiven us? I simply want you to understand the greatest need you and I have is to know that God has indeed accepted our offering. That He has indeed forgiven us. I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. In fact, let me change that. I should not lie intentionally from this pulpit. I know you're a sinner. The Bible tells us we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Amen or oh me? Right? So this isn't a place to come and act like you got it all together because we all know it's not true. We need to know if God has actually forgiven us. We need to know, is my name, the dirty, rotten, broken me, is my name really written in the Lamb's book of life? Because we know from experience, we know from life that people can believe anything they want to believe. 
Just because we believe it doesn't make it true. Is my name really in the book of life? Am I really going to spend eternity in heaven? Church, we are sheep. But God makes it so easy to be saved that even sheep can be saved. And He has given us proof, the writer of Hebrews says, so that we don't have to wonder. Nor do we have to put false hope in everything this heart believes. Well, if you've been married for any length of time, I want you to understand this principle. You develop certain word scripts, right? I, I like a, 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 a show on TV. I've been watching it uh, a lot lately. Um, and there's a, there's a couple, a married couple in the show. One will say, I love you. The other one will say, I love you more. And the other one will say, I love you most. Little, little word script that you develop. If you've been married for any length of time, you develop these kinds of word scripts. Well, you know, if you've been married for any length of time, you understand that sometimes, as a married couple, you have disagreements. Some disagreements are minor. Some disagreements are major. Some disagreements really have no consequences. Other disagreements cause major hurt. Amen or oh me. Sometimes, because I'm a sheep, because I'm stupid, I hurt my wife. And over the years, we've developed a little word script. It's kind of cheesy. But when I know I've hurt my wife, and by the way, uh, young, young folks, it, it's not, especially the men, young men, I want to talk to you, it's not difficult to know whether you've hurt your wife. Every woman is born with the innate ability to let you know that you have hurt her. Okay? But when I've hurt my wife, I will come to her, not always soon enough, but, but I will come to her, and I will admit that I've been wrong, and I will say the words, I need forgiveness. That's what Abel was saying to God. I need forgiveness. And I'll say to Heather, I need you to forgive me. And she'll say, I forgive you. But guess what? Those words are not enough. It's not enough for me for her to just say, I forgive you. And so I say, prove it. And at that time, she will give me a kiss. Or she'll invite me to give her a kiss. That's our little word script. When, we, when, when, we, uh, when, when I've hurt her, when she's hurt me, it's a little word script. It's developed. We didn't sit down and plan it. It just developed over the years. I need forgiveness. I forgive you. Prove it. Because everybody who's married knows, we have the ability to say, I forgive you, and even believe that we forgive, and yet later find that there's still bitterness there. Amen or oh me. Right? I'm not reading your mail. I just, it's true. Right? So, I need forgiveness. I forgive you. Prove it. You see, just hearing the words, I forgive you, is not enough. We need proof. So when we come to God and we say, this is the most important need in my life. This is what I'm desperate for. This is the only thing that matters in this vapor of a life. I need forgiveness. 
God has said, I forgive you. But I need proof. And God has said, okay, I'll prove it. In order to give us faith to prove that God forgives man, God gives us terms for salvation. Now here are God's terms. God chooses by grace to save us. He chooses by grace to forgive us because He certainly doesn't have to. God then requires that we come to Him by faith. And because faith is, it begins with belief, God asks us to show our faith through repentance. And God demands that we demonstrate our repentance by doing something specific. In the Old Testament, as Abel comes to the Lord, God requires Abel to come to him by faith. God has by grace chosen to forgive, but Abel has to come by faith. And he has to show his faith. He has to show his faith through repentance. And he has to demonstrate his repentance by bringing a blood sacrifice to the Lord because the Messiah had not yet come. In the New Testament, the covenant that we live under, God requires that all people come to Him by faith. When we come to God by faith, He asks that we show our faith through repentance. And in order to demonstrate our repentance, God commands us to do two specific things. And we're going to talk about those two things in a moment. But I want you to know, God is not asking us to prove to Him that we believe Him and want forgiveness of our sin. Scripture tells us clearly that God knows our hearts. He knows what we're going to say when we pray to Him before we even pray it. God knows your heart. He knows if you believe Him, and He knows if you want forgiveness of your sin, and you want to commit to learn to obey Him. God already knows that. He doesn't need you to prove it to Him by showing repentance and demonstrating repentance. No, rather, God is giving us something to do so that we, who are sheep, stupid, can know for certain that He has indeed forgiven us. We stand before God in need of forgiveness. And so we believe Jesus and we ask Him to forgive us of our sin. And God says in His Word that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But we're sheep. We need proof. So God gives us something specific to do. To demonstrate our repentance. So we need proof. We know that God says He will forgive us, but we need proof. We're sheep, and God provides that. I want you to see the second need that we have. And this is the, the we're going we're gonna to talk about the two things that He gives us to do specifically in order to show our repentance, to demonstrate our repentance. We need acceptance. Look with me again at chapter 11, verse 4 in Hebrews. We need acceptance. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. God accepted Abel. And God said that he accepted Abel. 
Now the writer of Hebrews says that God testified Himself. He witnessed Himself that He accepted Abel. God actually said it. He said that He saved Abel. When God responds to both Cain and Abel, Scripture says that He accepted Abel's sacrifice, but He rejected Cain's sacrifice. Later, when God tells Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? God is testifying that Abel was accepted, Cain, you or not. And later in Scripture, Jesus calls Abel a prophet. God, in many ways, in, many, in several instances, testifies Abel was accepted. And I want to remind you this morning, we need acceptance too. When we believe in Jesus and repent of our sins, we need to know that God has accepted us. In our day and in every generation, there are many people that say they believe in God. There are many people that say they are religious. There are many people that say they have faith. But it is important that we, uh, that we show our faith the way that God has required of us in order to bring the appropriate uh, offering to Him for salvation. So how does God show us that He has accepted our faith? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Well, scripture says that when you believe in Jesus and repent of your sins, doesn't, you don't have to say anything. God knows your heart. When that happens... The Holy Spirit baptizes you. The word baptize just means to submerge. He submerges you. And it is His presence around you and in you that shows God's acceptance of your faith. But, we don't always see this happening. And we can't always feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen or oh me. So God gives us a specific thing to do. Baptism by water. Maybe you haven't thought about this deeply, but when we participate in a baptism at our church, we're simply doing what God commanded us to do, and it has a very specific purpose. When we believe in Jesus and repent of our sins, we are baptized into the membership of the church. And this shows us that God has accepted us. It also shows everyone present at that time that God has accepted us. Now remember when Jesus was baptized, God spoke from heaven and said, I accept my son. He says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus physically, visibly, like a dove descends. We need proof of acceptance. And God has given us that proof of acceptance by commanding us to be baptized with water. To be submerged in water. To be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
The truth is, church, we need forgiveness. It is our most important, the most important need that we have. And after we believe in Jesus and repent of our sins, we're standing before God saying, we need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. You need to give me forgiveness. And God says, I forgive you. I accept you. And we say, prove it. And God says, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And through baptism, you will experience what I have done with through the Holy Spirit. We need proof that God has accepted us. So God gives us something specific to do. Be baptized. We need acceptance. Now we also need a third thing and a final thing. We need reminding. Look with me again at Hebrews 11 verse 4. I'm going to read this again. We need reminding. It says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And through it, he being dead, still speaks. I want you to think about this deeply. I want you to think about how dumb you really are. You're a sheep. We keep messing up even after we're saved. We continue to sin. We're that dumb. We are the sheep who come to God and say, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross to forgive me of my sin. I agree with you that I'm a sinner. I agree with you that I will spend eternity in hell. But you have offered me forgiveness and I bow my knee to you. You are king. You are boss. Your glory is unmatched. Your wisdom is completely unknown. And and you are a great God. I will serve you for the rest of my life and we we submit to Jesus we believe him and then we keep disobeying him how dumb is that (laughs) man the preacher really encouraged me today in church now we keep messing up we can keep continuing to sin but we also keep forgetting that God has accepted us Think about this, church. We get confused about what repentance is because we keep sinning, because we keep struggling with sin. We're, 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 we're sorry for sinning against God. I don't know about you. I don't want to sin against God. But we find ourselves continuing to sin against God. And sometimes we end up asking God, are you sure you've accepted me? Are you sure you forgave me? Are you going to forgive me again? Are you going to forgive me for that? We need reminding. We need to be reminded that God has saved us. God has given us a reminder as a second thing to do so that we have proof. When we keep struggling with sin after we're saved, we, sheep, just need a reminder that God's accepted us. So how does God remind us of His acceptance? The Lord's Supper. Jesus took the bread and He broke it and He gave it to His disciples and He said, as often as you eat of this Do so in remembrance of me. 
after they had eaten the bread, he took the wine and he passed the cup and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. I'm the innocent one who is dying on behalf of the guilty so that the guilty can be forgiven. As often as you drink of this, do so in remembrance of me. Because we're sheep, because we need reminding that God has accepted us, we need something specific to do. And God gives us that. The early church participated in the Lord's Supper every Sunday. We're going to do that too, beginning in December. God wants us to always remember that He has accepted us when we believed. And He wants us to remember that He still accepts us as we are learning to obey Him. So Jesus commanded us to take the Lord's Supper. Every husband in the room knows it's true. There's times I need forgiveness from my wife. Baby, I need forgiveness. I've sinned against you and against the Lord. I forgive you. She calls me baby. But I need proof because we're sheep. Sometimes, after my wife has forgiven me, okay, all the time, I will hurt her again. And I will have to come to her again. Do you still accept me? I still accept you. I need you to prove it again. How do you know that you are saved? The writer of Hebrews says, have you met the terms that God has set for salvation? If you have, you've only done that by faith. And by faith, you have met the terms that God has set for salvation. And therefore, you are saved. But you say, God, I've met your terms but I continue to sin. I need proof that I am accepted. God shows us proof that He has actually forgiven us by commanding us to do two simple things. They're so easy, even a sheep can do them. Jesus commanded us to be baptized as a visual picture of God's acceptance as He submerges us with the Holy Spirit. And He asks us to take the Lord's Supper often because we need a reminder often that even though we sinned last week, God accepted us and He still accepts us. This morning, this is a teaching that obviously is very important for the church. We need to respond to this. Perhaps this morning, 
you realize that you have not met God's terms for salvation. You have not believed rightly about God. In fact, for right now, you're just ignoring God. And, and you need to change your, your thinking about God. You need to believe that He is creator of all things. He's the boss. You need to believe that Jesus is God, that Jesus died on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sin, that He rose from the grave on the third day, and that He is returning to administer as judge a judgment day where He judges everyone according to their faith in Him. You need to believe rightly about God. Right now, you can do that in a moment's notice. You can go from a person who doesn't know anything about God, a person who knows things about God but ignores Him. You could be a person who, is, who has rejected Jesus completely and utterly. And in one moment, you, right now, in this moment, you can become a person who thinks rightly about Jesus and who thinks rightly about Creator God. You need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins right now, in one moment. In one moment, you can just say, I, I, I'm sorry, Lord. Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. The Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right now, in this moment, if you've done that in your heart, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to walk down the aisle. You, you, you don't have to do anything. It's so easy. A sheep can do it. God knows your heart. In that moment that that Repentance happens by faith. The Holy Spirit baptizes you and submerges you. You may not feel it. You may not know it. You may not even understand all of it. But it's happening. If you realize you have not met God's terms for salvation, you need to meet those terms today. Don't leave this room today without being saved from coming judgment. Amen? If you need help, you can pray a simple prayer. God, I believe that you are God. You are creator God, that you're the boss. Jesus, I believe that you are creator God. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you're returning. And I want to submit to you. You are my Lord. Please save me. Forgive me of my sins. And if you'll do that right now in the stillness of this moment, you can know for certain that you're saved. Perhaps you've met God's terms for salvation. You've believed in Jesus and you've repented of your sins, but you have not obeyed God in being baptized by water. so that you can experience and know for certain God's acceptance of you, you need to be baptized. So that others can affirm that God has indeed accepted you. You need to be baptized. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation in just a second. You can come forward and, and, and let us celebrate with you this morning if you need to be baptized and you know you need to make that commitment today or you can call me in a few hours or during the week. A lot of people will tell me, Joel, I get, I get depressed and, and fearful for you when nobody comes down during the invitation. And my answer is the same. It doesn't matter to me if anybody comes down during the invitation. Usually people will text me all day Sunday afternoon or come and 
talk to me Monday morning. Our invitation as a church is usually Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. But make no mistake about it, God is always at work in this sanctuary. There's never a week that I don't have a conversation with someone that tells me and and bears witness that God has done something and they are responding to what God is doing in this worship service. But if you need to be baptized, you need to contact me immediately. You don't need to let a week go by without committing to the Lord to participate in the thing that He has provided for you so that you know for certain that the greatest question in life is answered on the positive side of the ledger. You need to be baptized. For the rest of you, this morning we're going to take the Lord's Supper. We're doing this so that we can be reminded. Even though we sinned last week, God has accepted us. When Jesus died on the cross, when He shed His innocent blood on the cross, Peter says He died for our sins once and for all. His blood shed on the cross satisfied God's wrath. You might have been a scoundrel this last week, but God knows your heart. If you've met His terms for salvation and if you desire to obey Him and you're, 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 you're repentant over your sin, He wants you to be reminded that He, yes, He forgives you for even that. As we take the Lord's Supper this morning, this Lord's Supper is only for those who are saved. If you're not certain that you're saved, do not participate in this ceremony. Because this ceremony is of vital importance to God. This is so important to Him that we're reminded that He accepts us. And if you take the Lord's Supper and He has not accepted you, it is like Cain shaking your fist at the heavens and saying, I don't care what your terms are for salvation. I'm going to do what I want to do. But as we take the Lord's Supper this morning, be reminded you're still learning how to obey Jesus. And as you watch others take the Lord's Supper around you, be satisfied and rejoice. God has accepted them. God has accepted them. God has accepted you. Brother, sister, God has accepted us. We're sheep, but He made it so easy that even sheep can do it. Even sheep can be saved. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If you need to make a public profession of faith, if you need to be saved, if you need help with that, if you need to join our church, if you need to do business with God on this altar, come forward during this invitation service. You can also do business with God at your seat. Use this time to prepare for the Lord's Supper. Use this time for whatever you need to respond to the Word. But we're going to sing together and then we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper together. Father, thank You for Your Word and thank You for our church. Thank You, Father, that we are a people who are sincerely trying to learn to obey You. Father, I'm grateful to You that, that You have called me to pastor a church that's not filled with with hypocritical religious folks. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we don't have to fake it in here. That we just be ourselves. 
I pray, Lord, that this message, I, I pray that, that, that this message would find its mark and that your people would be satisfied and, 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 and be encouraged. And Lord, if there's anyone in the room that still has not given their life to you, I pray that this message would find its mark, that your word would convict them to the point where they could not leave before they give their life to you. Beg you for that, Father, that we can leave with confidence knowing that we're all accepted. And as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, oh God, we need the reminder. With every crunch of this cracker, Father, remind us of your broken body, the extent that you went to to show us that you accept us. As we drink that juice, Father, would you allow us to be reminded of the full impact, the fact that you gave your life just so that we could be saved. As a result, Father, let us grow in intimacy with you and grow in intimacy with each other. And I beg you in the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, stand.